and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. Join you at 9.30am UK time every single Monday to Friday. How you doing, Bailey? You good? You well? I'm very good. I woke up feeling fourth this morning. I woke up feeling good. <laughs> How about you, TC? Yeah, likewise. It was. Uh, we made it a lot harder than we needed to. And, uh, you know, not good for the heart last night uh, at all. But uh, very happy to, to get the win. And, and happy, certainly, that we've managed to put ourselves well in control of our own fate, which is what we want to be. We don't want to be relying on other results. Other results help, and thankfully they are going our way. But, uh, you know, it's good that we can take control of this with our own two hands and, and look forward to what might come next. However, we will look back briefly before looking forwards. And obviously yesterday's game, I discussed with Chris after the match, having had kind of the night to sleep on a lot of things. Uh, I'm still as in awe of Martin Odegaard and Bakaya Saka as I ever have been, Bailey. They are just quite special, aren't they? Yeah, oh, Saka, oh, Saka is just amazing. That touch in the second half when he brought it down, I'm still in awe of that. For me, that was just beautiful. Odegaard, the, the build-up for his first goal, the little touch of Saka on and a one-two. They're star boys, they're star boys. I remember at the start of the season, fans were calling Odegaard, oh dear God, stuff like that. No, that will not be <laughs> happening anymore because... He's one of the bargains of the season at 13 million. He's literally transformed the Arsenal team. I remember at the start of the season, our biggest issue was we couldn't create chances. Like, we was discussing how, how is Arteta setting up the attack because we're not getting any chances, we're not having any clear-cut chances, we're not creating anything. And now that's completely changed. I think we're looking stronger at the moment in attack than we are in defence. And that says a lot. And I think that's a big point now because of Martin Erdegaard and the role he's been given in the side. And of course, Bakai Saka, how can you forget about him? I mean, he's just... He's, just, he's amazing. He's amazing. I'm one out of, of words to describe him because I feel like I've, always, I've used every word to do that. But he's just yeah. excellent. He's, excellent. he's a star boy. He absolutely is. Well, I mean, the way in which they both combined with one another in Odegaard and, and, and Saka was, it just shows kind of that side is set for the future. Like, we know that the right-hand side is it's going to take care of itself. When Tommy Asu comes back from injury as well, he's only 22. You know, that that youthful edge that we've got to this team, the youngest average age in the entire Premier League, and we're pushing ahead, trying to finish in in the top four. And, and that shows kind of the what we can expect from the future as well. Uh, Lacazette didn't, of course, get on the score sheet, but he got seven assists now in his last nine games, which I think that we were being told this morning is the last player to do that was Meza Ozil, um, unsurprisingly so, obviously. But do you think that we'll end up being critical of the lack of goals from him at the end of the season or do you think this role that he's playing is is enough to kind of satisfy what we need until the end of the campaign? It depends if we get to four or not. I think if we don't get to four then a lot will be hinged on that. I think at the end of the day it's great like I said it's getting his assists but he's a striker and he's meant to be our main source of goals in that position unfortunately for him because he is, he is contributing to goals in terms of his assists, his work rate, his ethics, his passion for the club but we need goals in that position and if we don't get to our, our achievements, then you have to look at Lacazette really if we don't if we're not scoring enough because that's that's his job. His main job is to score goals despite the excellent build-up play we do want. Arteta said it himself in the press conference. His next striker, style play doesn't matter. He just wants players who can score goals, goals, mm. goals, goals. And that's the job of Lacazette, unfortunately, for him. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird, isn't it? Because obviously he's doing such a good job with the link-up play and, and how he's kind of um, holding the ball up at times. And when he came off yesterday, and I wrote about this yesterday after the game, it really did kind of tell how much we rely upon him to be an outball for Arsenal and to be kind of that figure up top that's going to take the ball and hold it up and allow players to run off him and that when we're holding on to a lead, you've got the outlet up top that you can play the ball into. 
And I think that when Enketia comes on, we do lose that control uh, in his game. And that is a frustration. Uh, Brighton Manyex in the chat says, Lacazette is a beast with his link-up play. Uh, Olu says, uh, I think we need to keep Laka on a one-year contract. Salary reduction, he brings leadership and experience. We can focus on signing one top striker and have Laka and Balogun as subs. Now, Mikel Arteta, after the game, Bailey said that he's going to sit down with Lacazette and El Nini and Nketiah, who both both see their contracts expire at the end of the season, to decide what they want to do. Are you tempted in any way to offer a one-year extension to Lacazette? And even if that was to be the case, is there any guarantee you'd accept it? Yeah, no, I, I am. I am. I know I have my doubts sometimes um, about we need to move on now. His time's done at Arsenal. But I just think... Where we're going to need two strikers in the summer and top class, I mm. feel like it's hard to sign two top class strikers. Getting one in is hard enough, but signing two, it's a hard job to do. It's not easy. I think we saw the, the fly of it struggles, how, how many clubs are going to be fighting for a striker. You're going to do a piece on it later, how other mm. clubs as well now are going to, if they lose out, lose out on Harlan, they'll be in the race for a striker. So Manchester United need a striker as well. They'll need a striker in the summer. So a lot of clubs are going to push for a striker. For us to sign two quality ones, that's going to be tough. And because of that, I would be willing to give Lacazette a year contract as a bridge for next year. Then we can again get another striker in. I think Lacazette, his passion for the club, his commitment, he's willing to do the hard work. It's, it's, it's rare. It is rare for a striker. It depends, as you said. Will he accept a one-year contract? He's 30 now. Mm. I mean, it's, and he's in that stage where you get your last big contract. Will he really want to take a year and then a year, a year and then take a year of another major deal that he could get with another club? I find that unlikely, unfortunately. So I think if we get, if like I said, does sign, I think you'll have to be two years if he does sign a club. I can't see him except in a one year. It makes no sense from a, from a personal or or Christmas perspective. So unfortunately, yeah. I don't see it happening. Even though I would be happy to give him one more year. Yeah, and of course, I think it was um, Jean-Michel Olas, the Lyon president, was yeah. previously speaking about how they're monitoring the situation closely and they want to bring him back to Lyon next season. So, And they'll offer him that that central striking role without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, obviously, but him and, and Moussa Dembele that are going to be fighting for it. But Lacazette, I think, suits that league so well and probably recapture his best form at Lyon as well. In the chat box, I asked the question, would people keep him? Uh, and Temi said yes. Olu said yes. Pini Wien said no-brainer, Yes. Um, it's interesting seeing how kind of much positivity there is. Uh, Nitin says, yeah, I would, but I don't think he will accept a one-year with a reduced salary. FT Music TV says, Laka has to stay. Mark says, one year, and I feel that would be happy with that, especially if we get Champions League. Uh, Yafit says, yes, even if he can't score goals, he's providing those assists. Uh, and Stephen Teller says, love Bailey's enthusiasm, top man, come on, you gooners. So, uh, yeah, lovely stuff. I look, with Lacazette, I, I'm tempted to say no because I just think that it's so important that this team kind of moves on and progresses yeah. and continues to upgrade and whether we exchange the kind of the weaker parts for more experienced and not experienced but more quality strikers in the sides. And I'm targeting two. I've said I want to see Patrick Schick and Jonathan David join the club in the summer. I'd like to see us go for two strikers that have of real quality and contrasting styles. And if we extend Lacker's contract, it looks like we'd only get the one. So I do have concerns about that. Um, but I think that we do need to push ahead and try and get uh, that next striker into Arsenal as soon as possible. But I absolutely understand the argument about giving him that one year. If you can't get to adding Lacazette to another top-class striker could really help us. But it depends what he wants as well. And I, I would imagine if I was putting any money on it that he would probably look to to move to a Leon or another club on a longer term contract and be more kind of you know assured about his place for the next couple of years rather than just a one-year extension saying that if we qualify for the Champions League 
he may be convinced by that. So really interesting stuff. Um, we're going to move now on to looking ahead and where Arsenal could kind of end up with the top four race as well because Man United lost yesterday in a game which we expected, of course, us to lose that game. Uh, we, we we kind of thought that Man City were going to beat Spurs as well, but they couldn't do us the favour in that game. But they did us a favour yesterday and they looked awful. Like, they looked absolutely dreadful. The one moment of attack with Jaden Sancho of a nice finish, look, it's a low XG shot position. It's not like it was a really well-worked bit of play. Sancho with a great finish to get their only goal of the game. And then the second half, they just fell apart completely. So how confident are you looking? And especially when you look at kind of some of the metrics, 538, the prediction website, gives Arsenal a 66% chance now of finishing in the top four. Spurs with 18 and Man United with 12. So... How does that make you feel about our chances now? Look, Mike, I was confident from last week when they dropped points against Watford. My, that's when I was really confident. That's when I was like, whoa, mm. okay. Okay, I like this is where this is going. And the game yesterday really smashed it home for me. I already knew what they were they're like. I already knew they were going to forward against Manchester City because Pep needed to win that game. He was in a title race. It was a really big game for him. I remember I said about in the predictor of Guy Clark about that, how Man City are going to come with a vengeance and they're going to, to destroy Man United. But... Again, there's still we've got to play 13 games, I believe. There is still a lot of football mm. to be played. A lot of stuff changes. Manchester United, they've got a squad where they can suddenly get hot. They can get hot and they can start winning games. There, there was a point in the season where they were fighting for fighting for the league title or, or earlier in the season, but there was a point mm. where they were doing that. And if they find that form again, it's going to be hard. It will be hard. Our, fi- our fixtures don't get any easier either. So you do have to be reserved. Yes, Man United were shocking. Were shocking yesterday. But again... They're in the Champions League. They've got a good team. They've got a good squad of players. They have Ronaldo. Of course, he can score goals. They've got Paul Pogba. They haven't got a, a rubbish squad. So you just don't know how form can change in 13 games. So look, if, as, long mm. as, we, as long as we maintain consistency, we're, we're good. We're good. I think we just need to, yeah, don't get ahead of ourselves and just take each game as it comes. Each game, as I said, each game is a cup final. Just keep winning games chip by chip. Keep chipping away at the games. And then hopefully from there, Top four will be confirmed. But I think also I must shout the three games in hand. I know they're going to be tough, but if we get one or two wins out of those, then I feel like we're flying. For me, that will confirm it for me. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think that with the other sides that we're in the race with, we obviously don't want to be in a situation where we're relying on them to drop points. We just need to keep focusing on ourselves. But Spurs have got a game against Everton tonight. I'm not expecting Everton to get anything from this game. Everton are a really poor side this season. And I think they made a mistake in hiring Frank Lampard to try and get them out of a relegation scrap as well. And it could cost them their Premier League status, which would ironically make Arsenal the only side in the top league never to get relegated if that does happen. So it'll be interesting what happens. And they're building a brand new stadium, Everton, as well. It would be cataclysmic for what they're trying to achieve and trying to build. And especially considering Alicia Uzmanov's involvement with the club has now certainly been massively hit with the the sanctions been put in place on him. So they desperately need to win. I don't think they're going to get it, but we need to focus on what we've got left. And there's 13 games, I think, to go, Bailey, and that's an available 39 points. Of those 39 points, how many do you think we need to try to achieve to get top four? It's... When you look at previous years, the top four race towards mm-hmm. the end, coming towards the final stretch of the season, it's usually the team who's it's the best or the worst, basically. Teams just yeah. seem to lose and drop stupid points. This is why I'm worried going into the final stretch. This is why I'm so like, because I, I remember 18 19 when it was between Chelsea and uh, Arsenal, and uh, Arsenal lost to Brighton, Crystal Palace, we dropped points too as well. 
when we, it was literally in our hands. I think of 1920 when Leicester just started randomly dropping points last season as well. The top four race usually towards the end gets a bit hard. So it's hard to say how many points will be required. I think it's how many points each team can can prevent from losing. It depends mm. on the losing situation. That's why I'm worried. Arsenal in a brilliant position, but we can't start losing stupid games, like which has been a usual thing in the top four race towards the end. But as I said, we just need to keep winning. Just keep winning and hope that Manchester United and Tottenham do fall off. But I think, looking at that, I think, looking at the table, I think Tottenham is our biggest competitors at the moment. They really are. If they win their game in hand, of course, and then they play off in the North London derby, then mm. it is really on. It's really game one. So, yeah, well, they don't have a game in hand, to be fair. They still play the same amount as us. So yeah, they do, yeah. it's they'll, they'll go a game ahead of us tonight in their game against um, Everton. It's good that we've got kind of this buffer. I don't want to lose the North London derby, but say we worst-case scenario and they get a win, it's, yeah. it wouldn't put them above us at the moment right now. But we do have to play Liverpool before that. And they haven't rescheduled that game either, so we don't know when it's going to be. What's interesting about the table is that you look at the last two or three seasons and 70 points has been enough to get you into the top four. So if Arsenal can get 22 points and their next 39 possible points, that would be enough if you were playing in the last two seasons to get you fourth spot, which kind of shows you how tight it gets and how many points are dropped by the big teams. I mean, it would have got you into third place in a couple of previous seasons as well, getting 70 points. It's been that tight. But then before kind of the impacts of the pandemic, you were having to get about 75, 76 points in order to secure top four. But the, the other Premier League sides have improved so much and so many points are being taken from one another that that number of points tally to get into the top four has, has changed drastically. What's interesting about Chelsea is that we've got a game in hand over them and we have to play them. So if we beat Chelsea, which is a big, big if, because uh, it's at Stamford Bridge, and we win our game in hand, we go above them. So all of a sudden people start talking about third place this season and Chelsea being dragged into that top four race, which would be hilarious to see. Uh, and the impact on them after, of course, the news about them having to sell the club as well it is going to be massive if they weren't to make Champions League next season. So when you consider, though, when you look at our fixtures between now and the end of the season, of the possible 39 points that we've got, we've got Leicester, Liverpool, Villa, Palace, Brighton, Southampton, Man United, West Ham, Leeds, Newcastle and Everton. And if you consider that there's a possible 39 points to be gained, and if we were to get 22 of those 39, we would be on 70 points. Can I see us dropping 17 points from those guys? Oh, yeah, of course I can. I'm an Arsenal fan. I can see us dropping loads of points. But, <laughs> but it, they're really achievable fixtures. I look at Chelsea and I look at Liverpool as obviously the big challenges. You then look at Man United, Spurs and West Ham and those games being huge, difficult challenges as well. But that's five games. Say if you lose all five of those games, which I don't want us to do, obviously, we would still have a possible maximum of 24 points available between now and the rest of the season. So it's it's a positive place to be in, is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it is positive. It is that when, you, when you say it like that, you break it down, then it is. it does make you dream a little bit. It does make you think, okay, no, this is actually possible. I'm just... Yeah, I think I've got PTSD from previous years, but I'm like, ah, oh, mm. I don't admit it. Yeah, I just want to... As Xander points out, though, our end to the seasons have been pretty good in the league. Like We usually finish yeah. the league pretty strongly, and it's the start of the season in January and November, those months where we struggle. We struggled in January this year. We only, you know, we, we I think we won a, a Premier League game in that month. So um, we only had two to play, in fairness. But, you know, it was still a tricky month for us. And I think November, before the December uh, part kicked in, we also had a couple of struggles with the loss against Man United and Everton in there. So around that November, December, early time. So 
the last 10 games, we've got a good run in. I think we've got good games to play if we can get points. And people look at the Chelsea-Liverpool games as like write-offs sometimes. I don't think we should look at them as write-offs. I think we need to look at them as opportunities to try and get points in those games. Absolutely. And do you, but do you think maybe we're peaking too early in the season? Do you think we're reaching our peak right now where we might start seeing a, a dip? Because Asanda said first the last mm. 10 games, we'll be able to maintain that level. It's very tough. Maybe if we peaked around... April time, like it was March, that might have been better. I'm just a bit worried we'll dip. That's all. That's all I'm worried. Yeah, about. yeah. No, it's fair. It's it's going to be now about maintaining things and maintaining fitness. The 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 difference is is that we don't have European football this time. Like we've got yeah. midweek games, the Liverpool game, and the next three fixtures are going to be crucial. I think the next three games, if you come out of those three games against Leicester, Liverpool, and Villa in the space of a week, which is mental scheduling, by the way, while they've done that, I don't know. But if we can come out of those three games with at least six of nine points, I think we are in a really, really strong position um, to move forward. So if we come out of anything more than six and you're suddenly looking at things very, very favourably. So that those three games, I think, will be a massive determining factor in where we end up at the end of the season. Um, let's go to Matt, who says, is it a myth that we will do well towards the end of the season because we usually don't have anything to play for? Um, I mean, we did have, we've had Europa League to try and get towards, but that's always been a bit off. But the league-wise, yeah, he's right. Like, this is the first time where the pressure is on in the league. Yeah, I think since, you know, Emery's first season, 18-19, when mm. Austin Chelsea were fighting for a top four spot. I think that's literally Spurs, the last time. Yeah. yeah, and Spurs, yeah. And then we absolutely collapsed. I've got, I've, yeah, of course, we had, but then we did have Europa League as well. Yeah, look, he he targeted that, didn't he? He targeted yeah. the Europa League. He made changes against uh, Brighton and he made yeah, changes Palace. against, what was it? Palace, yeah. yeah. And, and we dropped points in both those games and we ended up missing out on top four by a point. And if we'd have beaten either of Palace or Brighton at home, we would have got top four. And it, we could be looking at Unai Emery still being Arsenal manager right now had we have done that. It's That's the fine margins between uh, the decisions that are made. Um, there's an interesting question from Asai. It says, Tom and Bailey, are you not concerned the way that Xhaka is playing way up top and leaving gaps? I mean, Watford could have had four or five goals yesterday. Yeah, I said this. I said this at the moment. The attack is looking better than, than the defence. The defence mm. is looking a bit shaky. Ramsdale wasn't great yesterday. Kieran Tierney's been off recently. Gabriel also had his moments. I think we're looking a bit shaky at the moment. I think that is why I don't think it's due to Granit Xhaka playing up front or leaving gaps. I think we're just looking a bit shaky. But we're getting wins, so you can't really complain again. That just shows that the defence is solid. I think they'll get back to their top form in the next few games, hopefully. They're having a little bit of a collapse at the moment, but it's not it's not the biggest of worries. But I think the way Xhaka and Pai are right now is completely fine. I think we're able now mm. to create chances in attack, and we need that because, of course, Lacazette needs as much support as possible. So if that is the case, I think we should continue to do what we're doing. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I think that it's working, Afsar. Yes, it's a bit more risky. Yes, there's a few more gaps being made. But I think that our offensive side of our game has, has gone up more than what our defensive side has gone down. I think that Partey is doing decent as well. I think he's doing really well in that sixth role. I think that yesterday, Ben White and Tierney and Ramsdale were just off the pace a bit. And that's maybe why we looked a little bit more vulnerable than usual. Against Leicester at home, I expect us to go with the exact same team. To be honest, the only person that could come is maybe Smith Rowe for Martinelli. I didn't think Martinelli had a, a great game. I thought he scored a great goal, but I didn't think he had a great game. And I would have definitely started Smith Rowe had he been available. So we'll see. And the thing is about the next three games is that we've got to rotate because we can't play the same 11 three times in the space of a week. It, it, you, you just can't do that. So... 
there's there's an argument that maybe we could go to a three at the back against Liverpool, bring Rob Holding in. It, it did really well at Anfield when we tried it, make a few changes. Maybe Tavares coming in for Tierney to give us a bit of a wing back. Tommy Asu might be fit for the Leicester game, and then you could bring Cedric in again for Liverpool playing right wing back. There's changes that we could make to the team. Uh, it just depends on how uh, how and who is available during that moment. Um, we are going to wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. You can join us every single morning, as I say, at 9.30am uh, UK time, Monday to Friday. Bailey, thank you so much, mate, as always. Thank you, TC. Thank you, guys, in the comment section, as always. Absolutely. If you haven't already done so, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the Arsenal way. We're very close to getting 10,000 subs. We're less than 500 subs away from hitting that milestone in the space of just one season, which is crazy. So thank you so much for the continued support. And uh, we'll be back with another show later today and tomorrow morning as well. We'll see you soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. Oh!